Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you haven't already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Oakland A's, winning the series two games to one. They are currently still in first place in the American League East, four and a half games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. As always, a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it How We See It. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm good. Good. Feels good to have a nice little padding in the uh, division standings for once. Yeah. There was like a half game here and there. Now it's a good four and a half. I'll take it. Yeah. We're stepping out a little further. I think Toronto, uh, the Blue Jays have given us a little bit of an assist on that by uh, thumping the Rays a couple of times, but... Mm. Um, we'll certainly take that. So any, uh, how, this is the 4th of July. This is 12.06 PM actually. <laughs> so the 5th of July, technically, uh, recording late into the night, but, uh, anything crazy for your fourth? No, not really. Just, uh, you know, hung out with my girlfriend's family a little bit, had some, had some good drinks, some good food, watched some fireworks. It was all good. Yeah. Typical July 4th. Felt good to have a real July 4th this year. So that was nice. <laughs> yeah, we didn't <laughs> yeah. celebrate our freedom last year, did we? Um, no, no, it didn't count last year. <laughs> no. It was rainy up here in Maine, so no fireworks, but uh, apparently those will take place on Monday night. So catch those then. We've got a massive uh, parking garage across from us, so everybody goes up to the top deck of it, which is open. And uh, yep. it's a nice spot to, to see the fireworks up here. Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie? I am doing great because I called that series. I called that two games to one. We win in this thing. You have any questions about the next series? Feel free to text me. We're sweeping the next one. Uh, we'll get to that. I actually haven't even looked, but I know Garrett Richards isn't pitching in it. So, um, I already feel good about yeah. that. Yeah. Hey, Jason, I know we, we didn't ask you earlier. Where can people find you on Twitter? All right. Yeah. You can harass me on Twitter at color of the iris. Um, and again, it's color spelled O U R. So go ahead and find me there. I really pissed off the wrestling world this week. So I'm hoping I can piss off the baseball world at some point. What, um, what'd you say? I, I so I didn't say much. I just sort of made a comment on these two guys from different companies that are feuding, and uh-huh. it was probably my most viral tweet I've ever had. Which <laughs> I'm like, why can't this happen when I tweet about the Red Sox? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I think the the tweet that made me go off the most is about Manny Machado. Um, that was a good time. But uh, for those that are listening and enjoy, uh, I've actually had quite a few people messaging me recently, which has been kind of fun and. It's been exciting. It was an exciting last couple of weeks for me. Last nice little week for me, a uh, week and a half. But uh, for those listening and for those wanting to chirp, it's uh, Smith underscore MLB. Feel free to hit me up, send me your hate. Love it. <laughs> I typically take the most bullets of anyone, but that's uh, that's fine. Um, all right. So I just want to say that. Well, I'll read the scores off and then I'll get into it real quick. Friday night, these were all decided. Every single game was decided by one run, by the way. 
Yeah, most stressful series of the year by far. Friday night, Red Sox win it 3-2. to two. That went 10 innings, so into extras. Lost on Saturday 7-6. to six. That was in 12 innings. And then today, Sunday, the series finale, Red Sox win that one. Uh, one to nothing, and that was a heart attack. And it was just amazing to me how good the starting pitching was. And even Garrett Richards, I mean, we can't complain. You'll take that. Post-sticky stuff, you'll take that every time. And then you had the bullpen. Didn't look terrible on paper, but letting a lot of guys on base – and they came off of a very impressive Kansas City Royal series, a four-game series in which they didn't give up a single earned run in any game. And then, for some reason, Oakland couldn't do anything against starting pitching, but they were able to do a number on the bullpen. So, the most stressful series of the year by far, in, in my opinion. Unless you want to count the first one, which we got thumped by uh, Baltimore, which we still don't know. This series was, I mean, this series was, was wild. I mean, literally all the things we've been complaining about things not happening and, uh, players not performing, everyone getting slapped around like rag dolls. And this was just the, it's like the anomaly series. All the things that we haven't seen happen happened or things that haven't happened for a while have happened. And players that usually don't lead we're leading and the leaders kind of took a back seat. So it was a, it was a very interesting series, but you know what? That's what makes the sport interesting. That's what makes this game fun and players that people have given up on kind of closed the book on. They showed up in moments where it mattered the most and some plays will not be forgotten. So let's keep riding the high. Absolutely. Yeah. This, this felt like a playoff series. It really did. Um, and it's, I don't think it's a stretch to say it could have been a playoff preview. Um, I think Oakland's going to be there at the end, just like we will. So um, if we end up in a series with them, it could very much be a lot like this, which will be stressful, but it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And if we do play them, it would likely be uh, in the wild card, I would think. But uh, I could be wrong. So let's get into it. Studs and duds for this Oakland A's series. Jason, you're leading off. Who's your stud for the series? I'm going Nick Pavetta. Um, he was awesome today. He was on fire today. Uh, maybe his best start of the season, and he's had a lot of good ones. He's been one of your more consistent pitchers. It's been like him and Evaldi have been the two guys that you feel like you can sort of rely on, and his numbers don't necessarily reflect that on the whole season. You know, six and three, the ERA is still hovering over four a little bit, but he always goes out there and he's a gamer. He, he, he just, he competes and um, you rarely ever see him just get shelled. And today it was super important because Caprillion on the other side was just as good. Um, and the Red Sox couldn't really muster much against him. So they needed Pavetta to go in there and shut down the Oakland A's, which I think have a sneaky better lineup than it looks on paper. Um, you know, Matt Olson is starting to turn into like just an absolute force for them over at first base. The, the combination of of him and, you know, guys like Seth Brown, who I don't even really know who Seth Brown is. He's kind of been a journeyman outfielder, but like he's a good left-handed bat too. Um, they've got a sneaky good lineup and you can kind of see why they've been able to just get it together offensively and they why they've been able to compete out there. So for Pavetta to go in there, and again, I, I think this was maybe his best pitching performance of the season. He kept in it seven innings, um, 10 Ks, you know, really didn't make a ton of mistakes out there. And for a one nothing game, that's what you needed because this Red, Red Sox offense was a little sleepy today. Um, they didn't look good against Caprillion, so they needed that performance. He was huge. He's been really good, you know, most of the season. Um He's been good since he came to the Red Sox. I mean, he's eight and three in his time with the Red Sox so far, which is much better than we thought he was going to be since he was a complete mess when he was with the Phillies. Um, and again, just you look at what you gave up for this guy. You gave up nothing. And, you know, back end of the rotation guy, weren't even sure if he was going to be in the rotation. Now he's Mr. Reliable all of a sudden. Um, it's great to see. And it's good to see in the 
post sticky stuff era that he doesn't seem to be affected. He seems to be doing just fine. He, you know, maybe he figured out an alternative. I don't know. Um, maybe he never used much of it to begin with, but it's good to see that he hasn't dropped off because he was a guy that a lot of people looked at, especially in the Boston media. They looked at Bavette and they said, Oh, there's no way that guy's going to pitch as well as he has been now. You know, like there's no way this guy who had a career ERA over six, who all of a sudden has been good since he came here is now going to be just as good now that he can't use the sticky stuff. Well, he went out there and proved today that yes, he can be. And that's super important for this team, for him and Evaldi to keep going the way they've been going. Um, it's been huge. So great start for him. He was a big reason why he won today. And that trade real quick, uh, very quietly, Brandon Workman has his ERA down to 363 roughly. So, Right. So again, <laughs> like you, you traded him away and then he bounced around. He lands back in your lap somehow and now – He's a valuable part of your bullpen again. It's just, it's kind of like a lucky, lucky sort of a pinball effect there. Right. And that happens. That'll happen for some teams. I think Pavetta has been one of the more consistent pitchers uh, this year. I mean, Pavetta just won his seventh this season and his ninth as a member of the Red Sox from his 2-0 stint last year too. This is his fourth start in 2021 where he hasn't given up a run and he's pitched at least five innings. It's his third appearance this year where he struck out nine batters or more. It's his first 10 spot um, in Boston this year. Uh, he's had no problem hitting 100 pitches, but um, that's two out of three now. He's, of his last three appearances, he's had two appearances now where he's gone six plus and he hasn't allowed a run. I mean, that's amazing when you think about a bullpen that um, could, ec- could always use the extra love, especially when you have pieces that are starting to kind of flounder. Matt Andrees has lost his way. Uh, I don't trust him in a four-run game uh, unless it's just mop-up. And at that point, it's what's the point of putting someone in if you don't even trust him with a four-run game? Um, There's a chance we could have swept this series had it not been for him. So um, I'm incredibly confident in Andrew – sorry, not Andrews. Oh, my gosh. In Nick Pavetta, if Pavetta were to have a bad start, i just wipe that off and just say, you know what, bad start. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, he's a gamer grinder and he, you know, he's going to give it his all every single appearance as evidenced by what he's put out this year, six and to start the season, a rough month of June, but now he's right back on the right page in the month of July. One and oh. Pavetta was my dud on the last show. He gave up six runs and I, there weren't really many duds to pick from in the Kansas city series, but I said, at the end of my take on that, that I wasn't really worried about him. I thought he would bounce back, and he did exactly that here in Game 3 of the series today. The impressive thing about this start was he went 14 straight batters in a row, which got retired. Uh, Tony Kemp had a single in the first inning, no, excuse me, I got that backwards. Uh, he's the one who ended it in the, the sixth inning. So um, let's see, Matt Chapman uh, singled in the first inning and then uh, 14 straight for Pavetta, and then Kemp finally uh, ended the streak in the um, in the sixth. And then Pavetta came back out for the seventh and uh, did allow a walk but still got out of the inning and – Continues to be very impressive, and I mean, is he a bona fide number three now? Would you say? That's that's where I would categorize him. Yeah, I mean, if, if everyone's healthy in this rotation, you figure, okay, if Chris Sale's healthy, he's at the front. Um, you know, then it's probably right now it's more Evaldi's your number two, and then I put Pavetta ahead of Erod, number three. Because with Erod, I don't think it's a health issue right now. I think he's just, you know, he's kind of still trying to find his way a little bit. So, yeah, I think number three is exactly where he would slot if, you know, if everyone was healthy and going the way they should be going. It's possible, though, to have multiple number threes, though, I would say. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And and my, my, my comment to that is I could see him being your three or your four, and either way, you're not going to lose. It's a winner either way. So I agree with both on that comment. Yeah, and his earned run average is high because his bad games have been really bad. You know, six earned runs last game, and I think he's been tuned up at least one other time just like that. So 
He's um, gotten cracked. Well, the, the month of, of June was the bad month. That was when his ERA was almost, it was what, five and a half. He got shelled twice. Toronto was one of them, and that was the one that really kind of made me nervous because he'd given up four bombs that game. That's where I was like, oh, no. Like, this is this is, this is is not good because he'd only given up five home runs all season, um, and then he just gave up a four spot. So uh, the month of June was really, really ugly, but I just – I, I want to say that you know he's made some adjustments, he's he's made some changes, and now he's okay because he was a victim of the long ball last month, and it was I was nervous, I was very nervous. Is there a comp? He and by the way, he's not a free agent until twenty twenty five, so we have him under control for a long time, and he will be. Let's see, he'll be thirty two years old that year, so it's not like he's going to land. Uh, super long-term deal at that point. It's probably going to be a three, four-year deal at the most. So um, the Red Sox will still be able to retain him if if his pitching justifies it. But that's just how crazy good that trade was. But um, is there a comp, really? I, it's hard to do it as far as stuff goes to compare him to someone based on how he pitches. But he looks like he has the potential to be better than a Clay Buchholz type guy and and be healthier at the same time. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that his stuff is, I think, better than what Buchholz had. Um, and Buchholz had decent stuff. He always had that nasty changeup. Uh, with Pavetta, it's, it's his ability to change levels with his breaking ball that really throws hitters off. And then he throws in the upper 90s. So um, the fast pace, the ability to you know, change levels like that. It's, it's hard to really come up with a comp off the top of my head, but he's got a very unique sort of skill set as a pitcher. Um, and sometimes it's going to get him in trouble. Sometimes that breaking ball is a little more flat and he will get hammered every now and then, you know, that's why he's not racking up Cy Young's because it just, some days he has it, some days he doesn't, but most of the time he has it. And it's, it makes for, uh, he, he, he stresses hitters out with his pace and with, you know, the different things he can throw at them, he's tough to go up against. He was doing this thing today, too, where before he'd go into his windup, he'd hold his arm straight up in the air into his glove and then come to the set position and then go. So I don't know if that was messing with the the hitters today as far as timing, but he's. I'm telling you right now, I wish he he had the grittiness of a Chris Sale with the you know the testosterone you know the natural testosterone I should say, and just you know balls to the wall type personality because he doesn't strike me as that type of guy, you know he's kind of passive you know laid back, and he would just be so much more endearing. Like let's see him plunk a guy and then like get into it, you know Joe Kelly, Tyler Austin. Like that would put him over the top, but I think I don't think he's that type of a guy. <laughs> but that being said, he's my favorite guy to watch on the staff right now. I get I look so forward to his starts for some reason. Charlie, your stud for the series. So my stud for this one was Erod. Erod struck out six, allowed one hit and two walks in six innings. I mean, your starters for game one and game three combined for I believe it was 13 innings, three hits, and had 16 strikeouts. That's dumb. That is dumb numbers. And for Erod, he really needed this. Erod hasn't been this good since the beginning of the year. And even then, you could argue that this was probably his best start of the season. I mean, he looked much better than he had. And Oakland is not a bad team. So... I think I'd be lying if I think on the last show we said I said we were going to win two out of three. I said you just need to win the first game and then split the rest of the series. And I think there was a little bit of question mark about you know oh maybe he can do it, maybe he can't. No one had any faith for game two because Garrett Richards was playing. And then game three, but I was going. We should win that. We should win at least the the one. Um, I'm super pumped to see this because no one need a get right start more than this guy right here. So I'm super pumped. Great, great job. Yeah, major, major step forward for Erod. And that's all you can really ask for right now with Rodriguez. Just every start, take another step forward, you know, try to get back to that form that he was in 
um, you know, in 2019 when he was one of the best pitchers in the league. Will he ever get back to that form fully? Maybe not. We don't know. Um, but if each start just gets a little bit better, he's going deeper into games. He's staying more consistent. He's not having that one inning where he throws 35 pitches and completely screws up the whole, you know, the whole game. Um, if he can avoid those messy innings and he can just go out there and do what he did in game one, give you a solid six innings quality start, and then let the offense do the rest, then that's all you need right now. This team's rolling so well that we'll take it. They're doing so well with him right now. In the month of June, each game that Erod pitched, they won. Each game that Erod pitched in the month of April, they won. So far in July, he's only pitched once. They've won. So it's not like he's not getting the run support. What's insane is that he's six and four this year with a five point four ERA. <laughs> he was one and zero. Oh, he was one and zero oh in June in five starts with a six point two three ERA. If that doesn't scream that you're getting the run support, I really don't know what is or what will. I mean, the guy got shelled. I mean, he got cracked. Yes, he was getting strikeouts. He was also, uh, you know, not getting very far into games, throwing, you know, 100 pitches and not even getting out of the fifth inning against Houston. That game was ugly as sin. It was so bad, so bad. And now you see a guy who just went quality start against a quality team and didn't even throw 90 pitches. Like He could have gone another 10 pitches and probably gotten another out, maybe two, who knows. But I was really, really happy to see that. Uh, I'm hoping that he's going to be able to have the fortitude to get by if the team doesn't give him the run support. Because in May, when he didn't get the run support, he lost four games in a row. So we we just we need to see his level of consistency stay like this. We need to see the team score a couple of runs for him, and then we'll have a we'll have a nice dub each time he comes out. This was his best start of the year by far, I would say. I'll say this though, he it's his third straight start going six innings. And one of those he came out for the seventh inning and then I think gave up a dinger and then Cora, you know, hooked him right away. And this was the first game of the series Friday night. So when he didn't come out for the seventh inning, I thought, okay, that's good. Cora's not going to the well one too many times. And we had no idea the bullpen was going to struggle after that. I just thought, okay, three innings, we can we can manage that with this bullpen. Uh, but the impressive thing to me here is he only gave up one hit. Six innings, one hit. And that was to uh, Frank Schwindel in the, in the second inning. And then he didn't give up a single hit after that. Gave up, I think, two walks. Yeah, two walks in the outing. So this was definitely his best start, like I said. And I actually was a little bit optimistic about game one because game two you had Garrett Richards against Cole Irvin, and I just didn't let, I didn't think Richards was going to do very well. And then Pavetta was coming off of that six-run outing last start against uh, James Caprillion, who shut us down in the earlier series we faced them. So I wasn't too crazy about that matchup either. And the the one I did like was Rodriguez versus Montas, and it, it turned out pretty well. So, you know, we we're saying right just a few minutes ago, we'd put Pavetta ahead of Erod and you know that's fine. I I wouldn't be surprised if if that flips as the the weeks wind down. But the turning point for Erod was against the Yankees. He he went six innings in that one, gave up three earned runs. Followed that up. Oh, excuse me. Nope, that was Tampa. So uh, six innings, three earned runs. His next start after that was against the Yankees. Six innings, two earned runs. And then six innings, no earned runs today. Now, the the one thing all these teams have in common, well, I guess except the Yankees, is um, all three of them are playoff caliber teams. Yankees are slipping out of it. But I think we can all agree that that offense can mangle a starting pitcher on a given night. You know, Judge is hot, Stanton's hot, LeMahieu's hot. So I like this run that Rodriguez is on. 
He had a great April before he fell off a cliff. I'm hoping that there's no more cliffs in his path to fall off, but um, hard not to get too excited about what we've seen out of him the last few times out. Yeah, if he was doing this against like Baltimore, Kansas City, you know, Detroit, then we could sort of look at it and go, okay, let, you know, let's see it when it counts. But Tampa, New York, Oakland, you're right. New York is not a playoff caliber team right now, but they still got some heavy hitters in that lineup that could turn it on at any moment if they choose to. They just don't want to right now. Um, so I agree. I think the quality of the opponents is uh, what's also very encouraging about this run that he rods on. Absolutely. My stud for the series has been a stud quite often lately after being a dud for much of the earlier part of the season. I, again, will go with Kike Hernandez, who had a hit in every game of the series, was 4 for 12, hit the only home run of the series um, from the Red Sox. So, uh, like what I'm seeing at the plate, it's all coming out of the leadoff position. If if he continues to hit like this out of the one hole, uh, I'm going to start to drink the punch. And Jason, you missed it, but I started off the last show by literally cracking open a can of fruit punch and, uh, and drinking it, you know, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in as far as the Red Sox being a bona fide playoff contender. And uh, I didn't go as far as world series yet. I know one of our other hosts is uh, already there, but um but Kike Hernandez, I might start drinking the punch as far as him being a leadoff guy if this continues, if the plate discipline continues to be as good. And as much as I liked what he did offensively, the biggest play from him this series, extra innings, was his catching the fly ball in the 10th inning and then gunning down Seth Brown at home plate, which could have uh, tied the game. Or actually, yeah, that would have tied the game. So just defensively, he's he's been phenomenal. It's going to be interesting if Duran gets called up. Does that pull him back into the infield after you know such a great defensive first half? He, he's certainly fun to watch in the outfield, and he doesn't have that Hunter Renfro type cannon, but he's got a good one compared to many of our, well, Bradley had a good one, but before Bradley, not too much uh, firepower, uh, you know, from Ellsbury or, or Damon. And I thought Brown was going to score. I thought the ball was too deep and I didn't think Kike could get it in there and he gunned him down and it was really close and, and and credit to Vasquez as well because he still has to come up with the ball and and apply the tag. But um, I was fired up when, when that play happened, and um, my my actual tweet was "Holy Red Sox defense!" and it went semi-viral even at that late hour. So Kike's my stud. Nothing wrong with that. I mean. When you save a game, and, and truth be told, that play was really nice. I mean, that was a, a beautiful throw. Is that something that we're going to see on a consistent basis? No. Th- that that's that was a, a nice play, and I'm happy that it happened for him because usually when we think outfield assists, we're thinking Hunter Renfro. We're not. It's, it's like, Kike? So that was a pleasant surprise, but this is on the heels of arguably the catch of the season for him and possibly the team. Uh, that run, um, it wasn't against Alberto. Was it against Alberto against Kansas City? I don't remember who it was that was hitting um, for Kansas City when he ripped it to center field. And it, it, like he he ran from Wisconsin to save that ball. It was absolutely insane. I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, he's going to have to cover. Um, he might. Oh, Holy crap, he got it. That was the reaction in my head when I watched it. But he got on base every single game. This is someone who's hitting the 220s at one point. He's raised batting average to 241. He's already got 10 home runs this season. If I told you that Kike Hernandez had 10 home runs, would you believe me? Probably not. Nah. Like Most people would be like, wait, I don't have to double-check that. He's got 10 dingers this year. 
Um, and he was able to do damage. He had a, a ridiculous game too when he had the home run. Um, starting to draw some walks because earlier this year, this is a guy that was going down 0-2, then 1-2, then grounding out, striking out, popping out, and just was not doing well. He's seen the ball a lot better as of late. I'm really happy to see it. I don't know if it's the weather. I don't know if it's, you know, apple juice in the morning with his uh, Cheerios or Wheaties or whatever the hell he's eating, but give me a slice of that because uh, if Kike Hernandez can start to do this on a more consistent basis – this is going to be pretty awesome. Not long ago, he had three two-hit games in a row, which doesn't seem like a lot. But when you lead off a game with a home run every once in a while, or you do that two games in a row, and one of those home runs happens to be against Garrett Cole, you're doing well. You're doing great. And when you do it on the first pitch of the game, no problems here. So I'm super pumped to see him. He is a well-earned stud for this series. I um I want an apology from... Alex Spear. I want an apology from Pete Abraham. And I want an apology from any other Red Sox beat writer who in spring training or in the offseason wrote their soliloquies about how bad the Red Sox are going to miss Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field. Because Kike Hernandez, I don't know, it, Jackie might have a stronger arm, but Kike's got pretty good range out there. It's it's looking pretty much the same as what Jackie gave you. And, oh, by the way, he can hit. Oh, that's nice. So not only can he play a good defensive center field, but he can hit too. That's nice. How are the Brewers doing with their $14 million center fielder that, oh, you guys are going to miss him. Oh, you're going to regret not signing him. Yeah, how's, how's he doing? Yeah, not great from last time I saw. Um, and Kike, the power is real with Kike. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I just didn't pay close enough attention because he played for the Dodgers and – I, I wasn't sure, you know, that the power was legit, but it is. I mean, 10 home runs, and and they're no jokes. Like, when he hits them, they're they're bombs. Um, so the power's real. The defense, at least in the outfield, I think is great. I do think that he's better as an outfielder than he is an infielder. So I hope he stays out there. It's another reason why I don't want the Red Sox to call up Jaron Duran, because I want Kike staying in center field. Like, don't call up Duran. Don't screw up a good thing right now. Keep Kike in center field. That's where he belongs. Um, and Kike is, he's just a winning player. He's a winning player. He's been on winning Dodgers teams. He's a guy that, like, it, it's an intangible thing, so it's always hard to measure, but you can tell that he is well-liked in that locker room. He's well-liked in the clubhouse. His teammates rally around him. When Kike is playing well, the rest of the team elevates their game. Like, when he leads off the game with a home run, that kind of wakes up the rest of the team. They go, okay, oh, let's go. Let's let's follow suit with that. So that's exactly the kind of guy that you want on this team. And, you know, for $6 million this year, $8 million next year, I'm good with that. That's a perfectly reasonable contract now. Like, at the time, I think I was a little bit down on it because I wasn't sure just how good of a player Hernandez was. But, no, he's, he's worth every penny. He's been awesome. Um, I'm not sure leadoff is the place for him. Long term, we'll see. But all in all, he's I like this guy more and more every day I watch him play. Jason, I don't care what anyone says about you. You're all right in my book. Because well, Terry you. and I were talking about Jared uh Jared Duran and I said, uh, you know, I it, it, by the sound of it, it sounds like you, you you want him to come up. Are you uh are you calling the cops here? Or are you 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 buying this? And he, he bought it. And I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm calling the cops on Jaron Duran. This that was the only topic that we didn't absolutely 100 agree on. And I don't want Jaron Duran to come up in 2021. I want the clock to be on pause for this year and start it maybe in 2022, assuming he's ready. I think this team could do something really special. And while Kike may not be the starter as far as the uh, the leadoff guy every game. Having him as like a spot starter for the leadoff spot until we find that that you know that kind of like quick fix um, solution right now, I'm okay with it because if you can do this, I'm not going to complain. There's nothing to complain about. You won two out of three. You did your job. You played fantastic defense. And to your point, he's a better outfielder than he is an infielder. When he was in L.A. I believe he also did better in the outfield than he did in the infield. It was Chris Taylor, I think, that had the inverse where he did better in the infield and not as well in the outfield. And I could be wrong, and that's okay. Um, but 
I mean, what we saw from him, this is, you're seeing these little sparks of special. And I am so excited to see what happens after the All-Star break. And who knows? Maybe the playoffs. We'll see. I, I, I think this team is at its best when Kike's in center and Arroyo's at second. And that's the way it should be. I, I, I don't see any reason to rush Duran up here. Not for this team, not this year. Here's a quote for you. This is from uh, Nesson. I'm looking for who the writer is. Not seeing it. But this is uh, directly from the website. And, and I think he is getting called up. And I, I think it's going to be within the next couple of weeks. He was pulled from the Olympic team. So he's not going to be allowed to play uh, on the Olympics. And so instantly the buzz started going, oh, they, there must be a call-up coming. And uh, here's the here's the the paragraph from the Nesson article. It says, The Red Sox were more than happy to let Duran go to the Olympics, according to the Boston Globe's Alex Spear. However, there was a condition. The Red Sox wanted to be able to bring him back if needed. You can imagine the logistical nightmare it would be for Team USA to replace a vacant roster spot in the middle of the Olympic Games, so they elected to just leave him off the roster. I think that's a sign. I, I'm just saying it. Now, we can agree or disagree whether it, it should or shouldn't happen all day long, and, and that's totally fair, but I think it's imminent. I really believe that. I just think that would be a mistake. I, I, I don't understand why the Red Sox feel the need to start the clock on that kid when you're four and a half up in first place and what you've got going right now is working. So, it, you know, it's not, and I get it that like, even with Kike in center, Arroyo at second left field is a little bit of an adventure because it's either Marwin or it's God forbid if it's Franchi Cordero again. Um, so, but at this point, I'd almost rather they call up Cordero again and just see if they can, you know, get him to work again rather than start the clock on Duran. Because I just I hate starting the clock early on these guys because it just means that you're going to lose them to free agency even earlier and and there's still a lot of people who aren't convinced that Duran can play at the big league level. So a lot of people that say, well, he he's good and he's probably one of their top prospects, but he's not the top prospect. So I don't know. I don't want to see it, but I, you're probably right. They probably are going to call him up. His defense is still very suspect. So that's uh, that that could be where we get hurt the most. Uh, but I, I don't disagree with you. If if Franchi is going to come up and he's going to play first base where he's been taking some reps, and then you you guarantee me that Dahlbeck is being sent down, I would I would try that. You're not compromising anything in the outfield, and we're not getting a lot from first base anyway. So there's there's only a lot to gain as far as uh, I can see it. But um, but I'm just reading the tea leaves. He was left off. Uh, Duran was left out of the lineup on the Saturday uh, AAA game. So that kind of fueled the fire even more. Like, is he going to meet the team in Anaheim? That type thing. So we'll continue to monitor that. Uh, we won't spend much time on honorable mentions, but um, Rafi Devers, 4 for 13, had a hit in every game like he always seems to. Drove in a run in that first game, which was critical because we only scored three of them. Um, other than that, I mean, not a whole lot to get excited about in the actual lineup. Garrett Whitlock pitched uh, three innings over two different outings and it looked pretty good. Did give up one earned run in Friday's game. Uh, but that was the two-inning outing in which he struck out three batters. So not not too bad there. And we're starting to see him get used more and more in high leverage and not just like blowouts or games in which we are getting blown out. So starting to like that. And you can kind of see him getting amped up and just kind of rising to the occasion. And uh, it's nice to see. Josh Taylor continued his scoreless streak. Had some nervous moments, but just about everyone in the bullpen did. Brandon Workman, two innings pitched, did not give up an earned run, did walk a couple, but continues to to grind and battle and hasn't looked terrible. And uh, finally, Adam Ottavino, 
uh, had two appearances, both scoreless, both in very high leverage. So, um, so those were the honorable mentions. Any thoughts from any of those guys? Um, I, I was impressed with Ottavino. You know, he's he's really, I think, righted the ship from earlier this season when it was kind of looking like a, a kind of a disaster purchase from the Yankees, but he's really righted the ship and he's helped stabilize the back end of that bullpen. So um, hopefully he keeps it going because I do think the bullpen is going to become, uh, you know, a focal point of this team as, uh, as they go forward and they, you know, they can stay in first place. The bullpen is going to need to be sharp. I think that if there's anything that any Red Sox fan has learned this year, it's that patience is a virtue. And sometimes some players need a little extra time and sometimes they just don't cause they don't have it. Um, but this team has done an incredible job of persevering and they've been able to find some success from some unknowns and some players that have um, just not been given a chance or, or were forgotten and not loved. And now they're here in Boston and they're cracking pe- they're cracking teams in half, especially the ones that were willing to let them go. Garrett Whitlock, anybody? Like, this is a, pl- a no-name. This is a nobody this year. Red Sox were patient, gave him a shot, selected him in the Rule 5, and... Dude, I mean, the rest is history. This is just, we've had a couple of, uh, you know, early misses, I think, on the season. And things have gotten righted. And then there were some that were doing really well that have started to struggle. So I think the team now, with the beginning of July, we're starting to see what this team is. And uh, I'm excited, man. This is going to be fun. I saw a quote, or maybe someone mentioned it on Nesson that the Yankees put Whitlock in the Rule 5 draft thinking they would probably get him back and that nobody would claim him. And then, of course, we know how it played out from there. So I just thought that was interesting. And I I forgot one other honorable mention. J.D. Martinez was only 2 for 9. That doesn't look that impressive. But in Game 2, he did drive in a run and he had an outfield assist late in the game, and it wasn't an easy play. He had to run in on a line drive, make the snag, and then get the ball to the plate. So continues to be sensational at times in left field. And I almost feel dumb for not utilizing him more in the last few years in the outfield uh, when we we probably could have because he's been more than adequate out there in left field. So – Let's get into the duds. We are kind of running a little bit over right now, but I don't think we'll have to spend too much time here. Um, Jason, go ahead. Who's your dud for the series? Yeah, this is a quick one. I'm going Marvin Gonzalez. Um, I know he had the pinch hit go-ahead run in game two. That was great, but that was his only hit of the series. Uh, One for nine, five strikeouts. He went over four and struck out in every bat today. Like, the bat's just still not there. Is he versatile? Yes. Is he a good guy to have on the bench? Probably, because I do think those guys have some value. But that's where I want him. I want him on the bench. I don't want him starting games anymore because it, his bat is just it, – it's such a zero in that lineup. So bad series for him. Um, I don't want to you know jettison him off the team anytime soon, but just let's let's limit the playing time at least a little bit. There's really no point to talking about uh, this is this this player. You know, Marwin is just not the answer, and uh, his his games where he does damage are few and far between. The whole month of June had one homer, seven RBIs, and he's starting quite a few games. He's just not good. He's not good. He strikes out more than a, a fourth of the time. More than 25% of his at-bats are strikeouts. And when you throw an 0 for 4, 4 strikeouts in a series where we need you to come through or do something, I mean, that's like Bobby Dahlbeck production. It's just it's useless. It's it's not sustainable, and it, it just it, it can't happen. There were a lot of dud-worthy... Uh, Offensive performances, and we're, we're going to get to at least one more in a minute here. But um, 
It was it was an ugly series for Marwin. <laughs> There's no two ways about that. It's hard to strike out four times in one game and not have a ground out or a fly out. He just looked terrible at the plate. Completely lost today. I'm kind of I'm a little bit pissed at Cora for giving both Xander and Renfro the same day off. I just feel like, especially when we knew other guys were struggling anyway. So a little bit frustrated there, but um, certainly a bad series for Marwin. Uh, go ahead, Charlie. You're dud for the series. <laughs> I see your Marwin Gonzalez, and I raise you at Danny Santana, <laughs> who was one for 12 in this series with a pair of strikeouts. And we didn't mention it. Also was caught stealing along with Marwin Gonzalez, not at the same time, although with their luck, they're so bad, they'd figure out to both get caught stealing in the same moment. Uh, had a single in the first in the first uh, game and then ended up uh, not doing anything else after that and then went over his last nine with a couple of strikeouts. I'm done talking about him too. Get rid of him. When you look at uh, Danny Santana's numbers, um, yeah, sure. We can be mesmerized by the fact that he had a home run in five RBIs and he went three for five on July 1st. Danny Santana also only had one home run or sorry, one RBI in the whole month of June and started a lot of games. I'm done with him. Done. Yeah. Um, this guy, you took a flyer on this guy and sometimes those flyers turn into great things. You took a flyer on Garrett Whitlock and that's worked out really well. Um, you took a flyer on Danny Santana, and this guy looks like he just can't play anymore. Um, he's not good defensively. He's not good at the plate. He hits that odd home run every now and then, and everyone goes, oh, there we go. No, oh, there's Danny Santana. This guy did hit 28 home runs one year. It's like, okay, yeah, that was what, three years ago, four years ago? Like, he's not the same player. Just I got to think that when, you know, when everyone's back and healthy, when Arroyo's back, this guy's gone because – he seems like an easy guy to just put on the chopping block. So I'm hoping we won't be seeing much of Danny Santana going forward. I don't have a ton to add, but I I will say, I think he will be the first one out once, once that happens. Well, possibly Chavis, I guess, because he's got an option, but he's not long for this team. And I certainly don't think he'll be on the team. By the time August first rolls around, let's uh, let's put it that way. So, my dud for the series. You can basically put the end of the streak on this guy. We had eight straight wins coming into Saturday's game, which ended up being a seven-six loss, and uh, Matt Andres came into the game with a two-run lead. And that's a bigger cushion than most other relievers had. They only had one run to to try to protect. Andres had two runs in that 12th inning and blew it badly. His line was... Did I even write it? Apparently I didn't write it down, but he gave up something like three hits... Three, three hits, three runs, two yeah. earned in a third of an inning. In a third of an inning. And did he walk anyone? I thought he had at least one. I don't remember him walking anyone. He didn't strike anyone out either. Okay. I mean, one out, but yeah, not good. But he blew the game, and the painful thing was was we knew it was going to happen as it – like the snowball wasn't going to be stopped. It was getting bigger and bigger, and they clobbered him and – it was painful. It was painful. And in that game, Cora, I didn't like Rios coming in, but at the same time, you do have to kind of rest some guys. It was pretty clear that Barnes wasn't going to pitch that night, and Ottavino was hopefully going to be the closer. It had everything worked out the way it was supposed to, but Andres was basically the last guy in the pen, so I get it, but I'm kind of hoping that when Tanner Houck is ready, that Andres is out, and it's certainly starting to look like Houck is probably going to be the long reliever. They haven't been extending him beyond 
uh, 60 pitches in his three or four rehab starts. So that kind of tells me they're not really, um, you know, they're, they're not really looking to put him in the rotation right away. So, and I think all of us will take Tanner Houck coming out of the bullpen for two or three innings. Yeah, I'll absolutely take Tanner Houck, uh, especially over Matt Andrees at this point. And that game, you know, game two, that was his third technical. You know, so he lost the game, but he also got his third blown save of the year. Um, and I get it. He's last guy in the pen, like you said. So that was kind of the reason for that. But why does a guy like Matt Andrees, who's supposed to be a swing guy, who's supposed to be a middle innings kind of, you know, give you two, three innings in the middle of a game if your starter can't go very long. Why is he getting blown saves? Why is Cora putting him in high leverage situations? Like he he closed like that one game in Atlanta early in the season. And I feel like ever, ever since then, Cora has been like, oh, he can pitch in the late innings. And it's like, no, he can't. This is not a late innings kind of pitcher. Like they don't, don't let anything fool you. Like he's, he's a guy who comes in and eats up innings. That's it. He's, he's a mop up guy. You put him in when you're ahead by a ton or when you're losing by a ton, like Matt Andrees in any sort of high leverage situation is not good. And he proved it once again this weekend. It's a disaster. Um, from the month of June on Andrees has allowed a run in every game, except for one earned runs in every game, except for two. And while there's only been seven of them, he's gotten cracked in three of them. Three. And if you want to be honest, you could probably make a case for four. So that's just not good enough. And if your goal is to just be an innings eater, then having you come out in extra time, that's not eating innings. That's setting your team up for failure. And uh, a two-run lead is not safe with Andres. As, as evident by this game. Uh, I thought, okay, cool, we got it. This might be the second game of the three. Maybe we blow game three. Well, we just blew game, you know, we blew game two. And uh, that unfortunately falls on him. He just has not been effective. Not nearly to the point of uh, warranting any conversation of relevance. And like I said... The streak ended with him. Had we won that game, that would have been nine in a row. Today would have been 10 in a row. I think, what was the other one, 11? It was 10 or 11 earlier in the year. So We had nine spots to start the season because we went 0-3, then we won nine in a row. Oh, so was it nine? In, I think okay. it was nine, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I thought we were in double digits. but All right, and it, the other tragedy here is we possibly we play so well against the Anaheim Angels that it could have uh could have went deeper but uh getting into that series right now again on the west coast but you know what two of the start times are at 9:38 so that's actually not bad like i can if i don't see all of it i could see a number of uh i, I could see at least six or seven innings so Kind of been a painless uh, West Coast swing as far as the start times, but but Monday night, uh, 9.38 p.m., Martin Perez versus Jose Suarez. Suarez only has a 1.98 ERA, so we'll, uh, that could be interesting, but uh, you know, this is a good offense that he's going to be facing. It is. Suarez is actually a reliever that's taking over for Dylan Bundy, who's not been doing too hot in L.A. Bundy's been kind of a bust. And um, in Suarez's last appearance, he threw 56 pitches, allowed one run on two hits. The only run was a home run against the Yankees. And before that, he'd been a pretty lights-out reliever. So this could potentially be a more than uh, temporary spot in the rotation form. Uh, he's doing fine. He's doing great work. Early this year, he did uh, four innings of work. He done three innings of work as well, four innings again. So uh, I think that me personally, uh, I think that the Angels win the first game of, of this uh, of this series. I think that they're they're going to stand right behind this guy. The Red Sox don't know him. They have no idea what he's going to throw. So it should be very interesting. He's a lefty too, which is also exactly. Interesting. But yeah. Jason, any thoughts on that matchup? 
I actually like that matchup for the Red Sox. Um, I mean, Xander and Renfro got their day off today, right? So they should be well rested <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, they're they're ready to go. They they got their nappy boos in. Yeah, they're okay. So uh, I actually think the Red Sox hit left-handers pretty well. Um, so and I think the fact that this guy's a reliever who's now getting stretched out, there's a chance that he runs into some trouble when he sees the lineup a second or a third time through. If they let him get that far, I don't know if they'll let him get to a third time through, but he could struggle the second time through at least. So I think the Red Sox will figure him out as long as Perez doesn't, you know, completely blow it, which, you know, with him, you know, Perez day hasn't exactly been a fun day this season. So uh, we'll see. But I I like the Red Sox because I, in that one, I think they'll, they'll outscore them and they'll win that one. Perez has been pretty solid though in his last three starts, which is why I kind of like that matchup as well. He had that wonky uh, Yankee start where he only went three and two thirds, but didn't give up an earned run. That was also the start where Xander screwed him with that error. Could have been a double play out of the inning. He probably goes much deeper into the game uh, had, had that not happened. He it, he would have been out of the inning in like twenty two pitches, and it went ended up going forty five pitches, I think. So, um, so I I don't think this is that bad of a matchup for Perez. So I, I kind of like the Sox there as well. Game two, this is going to be really exciting. Nathan Avoldi versus Shohei Otani. So we missed Otani the last time uh, we faced them as far as pitching. And uh, so his he will make a turn in the rotation this time through. So... Um, Charlie, who you like in that matchup? Oh, the MVP, of course. I got Otani in this one. I mean, he really? got shelled in the last game. He didn't do anything. Uh, he just got absolutely blown. I think it was his worst career pitching performance against the Yankees. And the crazy thing was that this was the game that everyone was talking about. He had given up seven runs in two thirds of an inning. You are winning seven, eight, zero. It was, I think it was seven zero eight zero, and you somehow, with your mental and physical fortitude, figure out a way to get Haroldis Chapman to give up a game tying grand slam and then win the game after that. Uh, if you're doing that when you're down by seven runs, I think you're going to do well against Nate Valdi. Uh It's it's just insane. Um, Shohei Otani is a generational talent. The Angels are incredibly lucky and blessed to have him. This is the only player in the majors that has over 30 home runs. He's also the only pitcher and hitter combo platter player in the majors that's actually even remotely worth talking about. Shohei Otani is going to fill butts into seats and we're going to enjoy watching him hit and pitch. And he's probably going to hit a dinger. It's going to be Shohei. I I like the Red Sox in this one too, <laughs> actually. Because um, I, I think all you have to do is get a couple runs off of Shohei. You don't have to crush him. Valdi's been good. And I don't think this Angels lineup is anything special. Especially without Trout in there. So, like, just get a couple runs. Get three or four runs off of him. And I think Nasty Nate's going to do his thing. He's going to shut down that lineup as long as he can go somewhat deep into the game and the Red Sox bullpen doesn't cough it up at the end. I think they'll be okay. It'll be a low-scoring game, but I think the Red Sox can beat Otani. Nobody heard my call last time? No one heard heard my call. I said we're going to win two out of three. No one's here. This should be fun. I agree with Jason. (laughs) I mean, Evaldi's just cruising right now, and he just got named to the all-star team, and here's another hot take. If he shuts down the Angels, which shouldn't be too hard outside of Otani, he's got a history with Kevin Cash, who has not named a starter yet. I, I think there would be some serious optics, bad optics, if Garrett Cole ends up being the starter, Mr. Spider Tack. So... If Avaldi is impressive, he's probably got what at least this start and one more before the All Star game. Maybe even one more before that. 
I think he, he has the potential to be the starting pitcher. I really do. And I, I'm not, I'm sold on Otani as, as a hitter. He's probably going to Cooperstown based on that. I have no doubt about it. Ichiro wasn't quite the power hitter that, um, that Otani's kind of proving to be. So that's impressive, but pitching, I'm not quite there yet. And he kind of has some temperament issues. Like, remember when he was complaining? I think it was his first year that the crowd was too loud, the home crowd, and he wanted them to calm down. I just think if if the Red Sox start ripping singles on him, he's just going to go on tilt and they're going to have to pull him from the game. I mean, he got pulled in, what, the first inning of his last start against the Yankees? Yeah, so he just couldn't. And that was in New York, so that was probably for him what would be a hostile environment, I would think. So so I kind of, I think the Red Sox can get to him. And even if they don't, I think, Evoldi's perfectly capable of holding down the fort. I just think Otani was dumb for picking the Angels. You're uh, mm. you're not going to a championship. I no, just but, like so could have went anywhere, any team. Two two things. One, I misspoke because in that game, the Angels were winning to start the game, which I forgot. Second thing, he was either going to go to L.A. or New York. That was it. Well, you're going to go to the. It was a West Coast team, so he could have went to the Dodgers, right? But the jo- the Dodgers already had three, four huge hitters, three, four decent, decently well known pitchers, and I think he wanted to go to a team where he was going to be the pitcher, not a pitcher. He didn't want to go to a team that was going to have multiple hitters. He wanted to be the hitter. And Mike Trout is the only thing standing in his way about being the player in L.A. Shohei Otani is better than Mookie Betts. He's better than Cody Bellinger. He's better than pick your Dodger. And I would take him over any pitcher on the Dodgers. He no is the way. L.A. Over Walker Bueller? Right over Walker Bueller. I take him over. Oh. I take him over Bueller, too. Not as a pitcher, not as a pitcher. No, no, no. I I agree with you about the bat. He's got a better bat than anyone on that Dodgers lineup, but give me Walker Bueller on the mound, not Otani. Let's let's see who finishes up with, uh, with more votes and more numbers at the end of the year. And I'll say this market market right here. Seven, four, 21. Let's see who has a better season. Shohei Otani or Walker Bueller. Uh, Otani's n- probably n- literally never going to pitch in October, but I could see him just coughing it up right away. I just with the you pressure. You think he's going to pitch in October? No, not with the Angels. They, they yeah, the Angels. The Angels aren't going to be playing in October. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't you guys Can remember my prediction, guys? Don't you guys remember my prediction? <laughs> the the Angels are toast until Artie Moreno gets put in a nursing home at the earliest. But uh, yeah. Anyway, let's. Uh, uh, Let's go back to the uh, matchups here. Where am I? I'm on a different device. Oh, crap. Well, so, the third matchup yeah, that we ahead. have is um, it's actually going to be Eduardo Rodriguez against Andrew Heaney. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I actually like the Red Sox in this one. If you guys disagree with me, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> but I, I think uh, I was about to say, I think they're going to tie just so we disagreed three straight times. Uh, I think Erod's got it. I really do because Mike Trout, a Mike Troutless Anaheim lineup means you just got to be very delicate around one guy, and as long as you don't throw high gas, which Edward Erod is not going to be blowing anybody away with ninety nine or ninety eight like uh, Nate Valdi, I think we'll be okay. So I think that the the Red Sox win this third game and they end up going one and two in this series. Yeah, I I think the Red Sox win that game because I think Andrew Heaney blows, um, <laughs> and I think if I think if Eduardo Rodriguez keeps pitching the way he has been and uh, can keep it together and go somewhat deep into the game, you know, make it to at least a sixth inning, then yeah, the Red Sox are going to torch Andrew Heaney. Like it, it's not even going to be close. So I think they sweep. Um, I think that third game could be a blowout. I couldn't possibly follow up Jason's analysis on that one, so. I have the Red Sox sweeping the series as well, and uh, I'm I'm good with it. I think it could be a fun series too. It could be a fun sweep. 
So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. And 24 hours after this one, we have another segment of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. That was a fun episode. The topics were so deep, we only got into four of them, but um, fun show nonetheless. And then we'll be back on Wednesday night to talk about what did happen in this Anaheim series. So hope everyone's enjoying your holiday weekend. Stay safe. I know this is a big vacation week for a lot of people as well. So we will see you on your Thursday morning commute. Take care.